I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello. This is Maximum Firepower. It is my great honor to have my longtime friend Jerry Cantrell as my guest today. Jerry, how are you, sir? I'm good. Tom and Jerry, you can't beat it. <laughs> it's lovely. All right, so so Jerry has a brand new record out, which I just rocked to, which is pretty damn fantastic, dude. Like, your record sounds great. It's called Brighton. We'll talk about some of the more specifics of it in a minute. But let's go back to uh, when we first became acquainted. And this is my memory. I was a fan of Alice in Chains. I saw you guys before we met. I saw you open up for Extreme at a club somewhere in Orange County. Extreme, of course, the Nuno Betancourt band with more than words and whatnot. I was a big fan of Nuno's playing. And they were, you know, they were like sort of like the last wave of 80s kind of metal, right? Do you remember that show? Because I remember, like, my girlfriend and I were the only ones up front, like, rocking hard to Alice in Chains while everybody else was waiting for more than words. I don't remember that specific show, but yeah. I do remember, on average, maybe two to four people in the audience. <laughs> for half the audience. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Until more than words hit, and that was in the middle of that tour, and then it kind of changed for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's funny. I just I just uh, was hanging with Nuno at the Rolling Stones a couple of weeks ago. Oh, awesome, awesome. See him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's always lovely when the three of us are in a room. But uh, yeah. two, two, you would hear two of my favorite guitar players. But I remember that night very clearly because it did feel like kind of like a passing of the torch, but nobody else knew it. It's like when the first mammals were walking around the feet of the dinosaurs, you know, and the dinosaurs di didn't didn't quite know it, didn't quite know it yet. But I, <laughs> but I spotted that and greatly enjoyed. You know, it was interesting for us uh, because that was basically. We we'd done a bunch of opening spots just for, you know here and there piecemeal. Somebody would come to town. Hey, we need an opener. Susan, you got a band? Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. Yeah. But Extreme was our first uh, first tour, and that was uh, we had made Facelift, but people really didn't know about it that much. And so yeah. it was interesting watching those guys go through the the process of like I said, we played to nobody. They they had through nobody, and we drew nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, halfway through that tour, when more than words hit. And it was interesting watching that process because not too long after that, we would have that same process happen to us in the middle of Clash of the Titans for the yeah. half of that tour. It was like warfare. It was like Lord of the Flies, man. Like, <laughs> like how much how much stuff can you get hit with in like a two minute period on stage? Right, right. It's just raining down right. and because, because you were because you were opening for who tell say who was on Clash of the well, Titans. We were opening for Anthrax, uh, Megadeth, and Slayer, and they took us yes. out on, on this summer tour called Clash of the Titans, and everybody's like, "Who the hell is this?" Especially that crowd and uh there was one particular time i think it was uh, red rocks and and you know that you played that venue so you know yeah. it, the seats go up at such an angle that yes really, if you catch some air it's definitely making <laughs> so, so for 30 minutes or 25 oh. minutes however long we played it was just raining debris and and we would throw stuff back and we'd jump the barricade and we'd spit and kick right back and and battle the crowd for about half of it and it was kind of fun doing that and yeah. then man in the box hit, and then it shifted, and you could feel that shift. So yes. it was seeing it 
in other people. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen this happen before. This, <laughs> something's, something's different now. Yeah, ra ra radio and MTV very much mattered. You could, like, turn a switch like that. It was pretty sure. crazy. So so Man, Man in the Box had already hit when we kind of first met, which was on Lollapalooza in 1993. Rage Against the Machine was the opening act of the day. We went on first right. on the main stage. And I think you guys and Primus were playing at the end of the night. But I do remember, like... It was, like, it was like sort of our first time like on a big tour. We had toured in a van. We had maybe opened for Public Enemy at, at like colleges and stuff. This is the first time like going on a national tour and playing. Well, nobody was there when we started the day at 1.30 p.m., whatever. But you guys gave us a box. It was like somebody had gone to the dollar store and bought everything. It was like a box of toys and gum and, like, and little little horns and yo-yos and stuff. And that sounds like us. Yeah, and, and a really sweet note, you know? And so it was like the first day, and I forget where the first show was, it was somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I think of the tour and it really made me feel welcome like i was looking through all this funny fun stuff and i believe i thanked you later but anyway so that was my i was very grateful from going to watching you guys open for extreme with nobody there to now you're headlining Lollapalooza tour which was like the dominant tour and the dominant word in the rock and roll universe at that time so i'm, I'm totally. grateful grateful for that box of yo-yos <laughs> you know i mean looking back on that tour that was one of the funnest tours i've ever been a part of and we uh, still all the friendships we made fish yeah yeah Hill, all those yeah. guys and the only band we didn't really hang with was maybe arrested development they were kind of on their own yep yep yep, yep. angle but yeah yeah and we were all all over each other's stages and stuff and yeah babes in toyland yeah. too yeah yeah babes in toyland that's right and i remember i remember nick terzo giving me your guys's demo tape and like this is oh. the new band like check them out. What do you think? And I'm like, okay, this is serious, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, it was uh, so much fun. Also, also, I remember during that tour, Lane really had a shine for you, and yeah. and he wanted to play guitar more, and he was kind yes. of intimidated because he didn't play that much guitar, but he but he really was turned on by how you played guitar. Yeah, you know, I was a little hurt by that, but yeah, <laughs> you're like, what am I, chop liver? Like, <laughs> like, like, dude, look to your left, look yeah. to your left. I'm right here. <laughs> but, but I remember that, and you gave him a spark to yeah. to play and learn how to play guitar and write more songs. Oh, right on, yeah, yeah. Well, I loved him. I we had a lot. I mean, we had a lot. He and I had a lot of laughs on that tour, man. We would have sort of a daily argument of who was more metal him or me and we'd like sort of it would be part metal trivia and part just sort of posturing but a lot of i really remember that very 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 fondly a lot okay. of good times on that tour a lot of good times on that tour and what people don't remember is like like rage played first like in the afternoon on the main stage but tool was on the side stage yeah right they were they're like on the side stage so like we, rage and tool we were done by like 2 30 in the afternoon and had the rest of the day to either drive around on golf carts or you know or watch you guys play every day which was awesome <laughs> yeah so you have a you have a new album out i would like you to tell me and all of our varied listeners about that new record yeah it's called brighton and uh Toward the end of uh, the Rainier Fog Tour, which kind of wrapped in September of 19, I was kind of thinking about, I think it's time to do another record again. You know, we've done three records with Alice. We're well established. We, you know, we welcome William into the band. He's earned his spot. You know, the band's in a good place. Didn't really want to confuse things for until we got that 
you know, settled and I, mm. I don't really have any desire to, that's always been my first love. You, you, you understand what I mean? Yep, Being a yep. person, it's good having outlets and everybody in this band has, has had projects where they worked outside of the band, but the primary focus is the band. So yeah, it just seemed like the time was right. So I spent that winter demoing and uh, a good buddy, Tyler Bates and my longtime engineer, Paul Figueroa and uh, Joe Barisi, of course, uh, yep. those three guys I got together and, and they said they would help me, bring this thing in and we started thinking about who, sh who to call to play on it so everybody mm -hmm. kind of brought somebody in tyler invited uh, gil sharon in who who would I, i'd played with on a soundtrack movie for john wick or whatever mm -hmm. and uh gil knew was in a band with greg right dillinger escape plan so i got two oh. of those guys there tyler introduced me to michael roson and uh mm, yeah made, yeah no that kind of yep. steel guitar player yep. George Lewis on keys Paul Figueroa introduced me to uh, Vincent Jones, great key player, and uh, Joe Breezy brought in Abe Laboreal Jr. So right. you know, I, I called up Duff. He was down. You know, what yeah. I mean? it, was, yeah. it was a really cool mix of people, super organic. It's like friends and friends of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the record sounds like it sounds great. The, it starts with a tune called A Tone, which is just a jam. I mean, one of the things that people like Alice in Chains fans know it, but more sort of perhaps a more casual listener may not recognize like how you Jerry Cantrell is the secret weapon in Alice in Chains because of your singing. You know, like all of those harmonies and the big yeah. hooks throughout the whole catalog. It's two voices. You know what I mean? Like it's two voices and one of those voices is yours, you know, in the same way, like the edge in you two is kind of like that guy's got a great guitar player, but he's also in all the hooks. You know, sing. And, with, and without that voice, it just doesn't sound you know the same, but, but it's really beautiful. Like the, and there's the other ones that spoke to me, a siren song I thought was really beautiful. That's yeah. like a really gorgeous tune and black hearts and evil done also like really great jam. So check that out. If you have not checked it out, it's a really great record. So right on, man. Thank you, man. There's a short list of people that when you ask them to do like a charity show or a benefit show or thing like that, they just kind of say, yeah, sure. And you are one of those guys. So let me say, I really, I do appreciate that. And so we have rock stages, large and small for good causes. But perhaps one of the most memorable was when we played at Sing Sing Prison. When we went to prison. We went to prison. We went to prison together, only and I remember only as visitors. But. Oh, <laughs> well, there were a number. There were a number of us that were concerned that once we went through those gates, like that, we were going to get back out again I, for different yeah. reasons. Me for political reasons, and Perry Farrell for other reasons. You know, like yeah, we yeah. Were, <laughs> well, Wayne, Wayne Kramer had spent some time. Behind That's right. That's right. So, so we went to it was a it was Perry Farrell. It was I don't think Slash was on that one. It was, it was Wayne Kramer. There were a number of us playing, but anyway, yeah. so we were playing, and it's like. You're playing in front of an audience of some people who have been in jail for, who have been in prison for 30 years. And Sing yeah. Sing Prison is really like a bunch of young guys looking at 30 plus. That's right. Years. Yeah, ahead of them, ahead of them. Um, yeah. And but I but I remember that the, the the prison it looks like this old kind of gothic prison. It's not one of those new kind of supermax that looks a little bit like an iPhone store. Like it's this ancient yeah. kind of British castle, kind of super scary. Anyway, so we go in. And we're playing the songs. And then one song that we regularly would cover when you were playing with us was a song called Jailbreak. Yeah. And I remember. I think there was some concern about us playing that. <laughs> yeah, there was. There was a good, I think there was a good deal of concern in a lot of different quarters. And so, but I do remember because, like, to me, Jerry murders Jailbreak. Like, you could be, if Thin Lizzy ever, like, needs, a, you could be the singer of Thin Lizzy. Like, you have a fantastic Thin Lizzy voice. He just uh, mur murders Jailbreak. So I remember, like, I'm playing rhythm guitar on it. And some of the inmates were not that familiar with the Thin Lizzy song, but when they 
heard, you know, tonight there's going to be a jail. Like, the looks on their faces were like, oh, my gosh. Like, what? <laughs> like, like, is this okay? Like, people were like, yeah. ah, what's what's going to happen? I mean, what are your memories of that Sing Sing prison show? I, I had a, there's quite a few. And, and like, just the reality of, of when you walk through those doors, you know you can leave. But still, when that door shuts behind you, you get a little little feeling of what that is man you know and i mean i can only imagine but it's just an interesting interesting thing that we have like kind of a, this disposable thing on our society that's uh more based on just throwing people away uh rather than trying to trying to get some redemption out of them because life is a journey of redemption and and sometimes major mistakes yeah you know what i mean and, and i'm a firm believer in if somebody has has made the effort to pay for their mistake they ought to have a, a road to redemption you know yeah. and we were playing Wish You Were Here. And that line, you know, did you trade a walk-on part on the wall for a lead role in a cage? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't think about it. But when I sang that song and I'm looking at those guys, I cracked. I like, yeah. I like, I like yeah. tear up. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, that was a really heavy moment. You know, yeah. but uh, I was really... Uh, I was really honored to go with you guys and to be part of Brother Wayne's, you know, yeah. uh, great work in, in trying to bring some light into the, that sort of a situation for these guys yeah. and give them an outlet, you know? Yeah, I remember there was, there was one guy, he, you know, we, we did sort of like a meet and greet kind of thing at the end. And he was like, I, he's like, I've been here 22 years and this was my best afternoon. You know, and it was yeah, and uh, but but out of that day came great good. Wayne Kramer was inspired to start an organization called Jail Guitar Doors. Billy Bragg had one in the UK, and Billy I think was there on that day as well, maybe. And anyway, it was like that day. Wayne, who had spent time in prison and is a recovering addict, and like like that day, at, I don't. Wayne must have been 50, 59, 60 years old at the time, and began a a new career as someone who he goes in, I think they're now in hundreds of prisons across the U S that's great. That's where, great. where they use instruments and music as rehabilitation tools. And it yep. definitely, it definitely affects the recidivism rate. And they even have like in the, at LA County here for like the teens and whatnot, they have like songwriting workshops and ways to sort of express yourself outside of sure. some of the more traditional ones. I'm Tom Morello. You're listening to maximum firepower. My guest today is Allison chains, guitarist, Jerry Cantrell. So speaking of, of redemption, like I wasn't in a band with them, but I get asked a lot about Lane. <laughs> you know, like, and uh, and so if you feel comfortable about it, it's talking about Lane, Mike, our buddy, Chris Cornell, and like sort of like your own journey with uh, addiction and recovery for people listening out there who may be somewhere on that spectrum. You know, it is possible to move past that. And I think that uh, as a person who has suffered from some of those same things that took a lot of our fellows down, uh, you know, it's possible to, to work through that stuff. And uh, I feel really lucky to have had the experience. I, I don't regret it. I don't regret the, regret the life or the, the craziness or the indulgence of the rock and roll lifestyle because that all appealed to me. And I was a I was a good kid. I wasn't a shit kid, you know what I mean? And like, but, but the whole rock and roll ethos, man, that really appealed to me, you know, and, and it's all stuff, you know, you read all that stuff, you know, and, and uh, just to focus on the positive on, on the time spent with them, the relationships that I had with those guys, the music that we made together and the human beings that they were, it's unfortunate. The headline always is that, yeah. you know, yeah. how they died. This, this is not them, this little yeah. bird, you know yeah. what I mean? We all die. And <laughs> I mean, so, uh, and of course, it would be nice if uh, if the folks, the guys, had uh, stuck around longer. But uh, try to live mm -hmm. in the now, not dwell on the past too much. And uh, I'm very honored to have known all of those 
fine folks and musicians. Yeah. Well, I, if, if you have any sort of words of advice, because I remember I've known you throughout your journey. You know what I'm saying? You know, and there were some nights in Hollywood where I'm like, I'm not sure he's going to be okay. Or, <laughs> and they're spending, they're spending years and years with you when you're on the other side of it. Yeah. And, you know, for people who may be somewhere in that struggle, who sort of see, like there's different, whether it's issues of addiction or depression or whatever, that there's somewhere in it. And like, what was your light at the end of the tunnel? And what would you say to somebody who might be struggling listening to this right now? Well, I mean, I think the main thing is just to know that it's okay to say that you can't handle it anymore and to raise your hand and surrender. Like, okay, yeah, I'm done. I, I'm cooked here. I, I need some help. That's the hardest thing for any of us. I'm sure you experienced that yourself too. Yep. So it, the hardest thing to do is ask for help yourself. And, and uh, uh, I think a lot of part of achieving sobriety and maintaining sobriety is keeping yourself open to be of service and to be of help to somebody in need because you know how hard it is to make those first initial steps. And if you're a guy that can stick around, I mean, for me, July next year will be 19 years for me. Wow. And wow. So Great. It's a, it's, a, it's a long time since I had a drink or a drug on purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few on accident, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Every once in a while you get a hot one, but uh, <laughs> order a Diet Coke and you get a Jack and Coke. But, right, right, right. Uh, but, you know, it's possible. Part of life is experience, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't at the same time tell anybody not to to take the path that you want to take, you know, where, wherever it is. But if you're finding you're you're in a place you can't get out of, then it's a it seems to be a dead end road that you can't get out yourself and ask somebody for help. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Thank you. That's uh, yeah, because I've really I've really noticed that like you're you're a sort of a shining example of someone who does service and you know so congratulations on 19 years that's awesome thank you that's awesome you. i want to talk a little bit about the a, a particular show that i enjoyed greatly it was the first show of the reconstituted alice in chains uh, i believe that show was at the roxy and i went down, you know i'm friends with you guys for a long time and alice in chains is playing the roxy with a new singer and of course i'm like frankly i'm like i can't imagine that being okay like i'm like i just can't imagine it oh, yeah. and, I, and i was there with i forget it was me and maybe Flea. it was like a bunch of like hollywood rock you know dude it was maybe some of the james guys and Flea. and we all sat there with like our jaws on the ground at how fucking great it was. Like I couldn't, I told every, I stood on a street corner afterwards, just telling people just how great it was. So, 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 so tell me what that, not, not just what that night was like, but what did the reconstituting Alice in Chains with William yeah. and, and having it be such a redemptive experience. Well, I think it's, I, I think it's related to what we were just talking about. And like, there are many times in your life where you can restart. You know what I mean? You, you can reassess and the story. If you're still walking and breathing, man, the story ain't over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for you, you've got a, an even more personal connection to it because you know, Lane and you were friends yeah. with him. And, and, and so, you know, and being a musician, you later would experience that sort of a situation yeah. yourself. And yeah. so you can always pick up and start again. And, and I think what works is following what, what worked in the past. You just put one foot in front of the other. If you're cool with it and the guys are cool with it, it's going to be fine. It's going to be a little bit of struggle. It's going to take time for people to get used to it. William's such a talented guy. We already had uh, the experience of uh, touring on a uh, degradation trip mm. uh, right at the tail end of when you were looking at me saying, I don't know. If <laughs> yeah. uh, and I made a record about it. I did, I did get my shit together. And, uh, you know, I thought, and you know, Sean and I started talking about the idea of maybe just doing some shows, you know, just celebrating the music and and maybe doing a tour and taking it around and with no other really thought than that. We'd done a uh, 
benefit concert for the tsunami relief as well as oh, right. other yeah. artists all around yeah. the world yeah. and we wanted to be a part of that we thought this is the perfect way to do it so we invited a bunch of friends to be a part of that and that's where we cracked the ice as a band of like you know going through that cathartic experience and heavy experience of not standing up there with your bro yeah but also, hey i'm still standing here with my bros you know, and this is our stuff. And, and uh, it was just kind of a natural progression when we started to have those conversations. I'm like, we should bring William in. And uh, yeah, I think, I think we jammed with Vinny from sponge and William. Right. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 Vinny is a good friend of ours too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had done a, a project with Mike and Sean and Chris Garmo spies for Darwin or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so we, we jammed with Vinny and, and then William came in and uh sean's like what do you want to do and he's like let's do love hate love <laughs> like so we did love hate love and sean's like all right wow yeah <laughs> and, and mike look each other and i knew of course because i'd already played with william you know and we'd also had the benefit of doing a lot of that vocal work together that's kind of yes a of our yep. Band, you know? yep. uh that, that lane and i created and and william and i have continued and and on this record uh you know i, I was joined by uh, greg Puchato actually uh mm. a escape planet and mm. kind of similar thing i like oh. working, i like working in a pilot co-pilot situation you know vocally yeah. and i like writing for that because i love harmony yeah, well, awesome. I mean, it is it is a a great gift to the world. You know what I'm saying? So well done. And Thanks, and I think I think there is a there is a really good lesson that like wherever you are, you can start anew. You know, and that's uh, yeah. that is it's okay, that is, to, it's okay to fail, man. That's uh, failure is a good thing. That's how you learn. Absolutely. Get out there and fail until you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk as as a fellow axe slinger. Like, how is your guitar playing? How do you think about the guitar and how has your guitar playing evolved from when you began? Well, like you, we know how important the riff is, right? Sure, the, sure. The, the riff, okay? yes, yeah. The riff is important and the riff is king. But I think as I've kind of gone through time and progression, you really start appreciate, appreciating the song, you know, mm-hmm. the song that the riff exists in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I'm still, uh, I don't know about you, but I have, I've never reached a point where I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> you know I mean, it's, it's always yeah. like, oh, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. figuring it out and like striking out blindly in the darkness. And that's part of the challenge of it. Like yep. what the hell am I going to come up with next? Right, can I right. can I even do this anymore? Should yeah. I do this anymore? Yeah. <laughs> there's enough. There's some good songs back there. Maybe we should just leave leave it alone. But right. there's something in there that's still pushing me to to want to be creative, and and I love that. I love that aspect of it. I love the. I've heard so many musicians talk about it, from the Beatles to Bruce Springsteen to you know another pal of yours, and 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 like in the early days, how it was just like this big long jam band and stuff, and he finally kind of had the epiphany that the studio can be an instrument as well, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and sometimes less is more, you mm-hmm. know, right. Right. And, uh, you know, th- those things are really cool. I love exploring those types of parts of it. And of course, you know, I'm a guitar, guitar player at heart. I like to stand in front of a stand in front of a stack and let her rip. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you can hear it on bright. If, if you're, just listening now, Jerry Cantrell has a great new record out called Brighton. So check it out. A lot of great jams on it. Um, and then lastly, this is uh, something we do occasionally on the show is like, give me your Mount Rushmore of either. You get it. You can choose Mount Rushmore of riffs or Mount Rushmore of guitarists. OK, so that's uh, we got four guys. Yeah. Right? Can, yeah. And it can be you could, you know, just off the top of your head. Don't over labor the thinking. Just. Uh, yeah. Iomi, Gilmore. Yep. Hetfield. OK. 
and Malcolm Young. Awesome. That is a that is a that's a solid a solid four pack. All right, yeah. then just just in, in, give me four riffs and four riffs and one of them's yours. Four riffs and one is mine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'd probably go with Man in the Box, the one that sure. put us on the map. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unchained. That's where I learned drop D tuning. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, yep. ama- amazing. For whom the bell tolls. Okay. Love, yep. love, love that. That just that <laughs> so badass. And uh, back in black. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Jerry, thank you very much for your time. It's lovely to see you, brother. And uh, oh, you too, dude. and are you gonna are you touring this at all, or is this a uh... for sure? Yeah, uh, awesome. You know, it's it's been a weird year, and we've yes. been trying to figure out how to navigate all this. Yes, I'm yes. glad to see people getting out and doing it, and I'm really keeping an eye and asking a lot of questions of yes. Yeah, uh, how are you doing this? You know, how how, how do we do this now? And so. Yeah. I, uh, I aired on the side of probably extra safety and didn't book yeah. any shows until next year. So yeah, starting yeah. March, I'm going to do shows from March to May supporting Brighton, awesome. uh, Europe, and in, in the summer. And we may have some Alice shows next year too. So awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, love, lovely to see you, my friend. Lots yeah. of love, love to you, and congratulations on the new record. And I hopefully I'll see you out there. Thanks, Tom. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower. Oh.